The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Oh, that's okay. There's grace for everybody. Me too. I have got a question. Have you ever heard this story before? The Good Samaritan story that we just read? Some have, some haven't. It's a pretty good story. I think it tells us that in order to be a neighbor, as God would have us be a neighbor to somebody, it's more than just knowing them, and it's more than just looking at them, and it's more than just being civil. It's helping them with their every need. But I think some of the nuances of this story, some of the details of the story get lost. And so I want to tell you the story again, but I want to use kind of modern day things, okay? So are you ready for a story? Here's a story. Once upon a time, there was a good Penn State fan. 
traveling along the road. And as you know, Penn State fans are the best. And so this Penn State fan was traveling along the road. Yeah, right? So this Penn State fan was traveling along the road, and he got into trouble. He was beat up, and he was left for half dead. Eventually, one of the assistant coaches of that team, Penn State, came and saw him in all his Penn State gear, but was late for practice. And so he passed by on the other side of the road. And then, one of the biggest fans of Penn State of all time came and saw him, but realized that this might take a long time to help. So he passed by on the other side of the road. And then, one of those terrible Ohio State fans came. <laughs> and even though he didn't like the clothes he was wearing, and even though he rooted for a different team, he saw him and had pity on him. And so he came, and he helped him up, and he got him to a hospital. And not only did he get him to a hospital, but he stayed there with him, and then the next day told all the hospital staff, Whatever this person needs, do it for them, and I'll take care of the expenses. Now, I'm not going to ask you which person was the best neighbor. I'm going to ask you which person was the biggest fan. Which person acted how you want Penn State to act? Yeah. Yeah. To be nice. Yeah. The story that we have today is about who acts like God the most. And it's the one who helps. Now, I could have easily told this story about a Ohio State person on the side of the road and a Penn State person helping. I could have told the story about any team or any division that we have in life. It could have been any countries. It could have been any religions. It could have been any body, anywhere. The point of the story is that in order to call ourselves Christians, it's important that we do those things. It's important that we act like a neighbor to anybody that needs help. We act good to anybody that needs help. So this week, I want you to look around. They might be inside your home. Somebody just right next to you that needs help. And they might be out in the world. Somebody that needs help too. If you're able to help, help. And if you don't feel like you can help, ask your parents. Ask the adults around you to see if they can help you help. No matter what you do, try. As Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and be this type of good Christian that we hear about. So try your best, and we'll gather here next week, and we'll try again. Sound good? All right. Should we say a prayer? Let us pray. God, you have made people from every single corner of the earth 
responsible for the goodness of every other person. We ask that as we go out this week, we might be able to help the ones that are in need, the ones that need help, whether they're in our homes or in our communities or even far away. Give us the ability and the knowledge to do this and give us people to help us when we don't know how. And in all things, help us to be like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we have a snack. There you go. In the name of Jesus, amen. This text, I believe, can get us into a whole lot of trouble really quickly. Because it breaks down a lot of the barriers that you and I often use as reasons and excuses for why we can't help another person. I love the way that Jesus sets this up. It had to have been rather insulting to have the story told this way in the time and context that it was told. You see, the Samaritans were people of a different faith and were people of a different background and ethnicity. They were people of a different culture. They were people of a different type. And the two, by law and by regular order, did not mix Jews and Samaritans. And so these two cultures, these two peoples, these two ethnicities, these two faiths, oftentimes butted heads with one another. And so Jesus uses this exact type of person, this person who was not someone that was often lifted up in the community as something to be emulated. Jesus uses this exact person to show what the love of God looks like over and against a religious leader and a religious zealot, someone who is full of energy and favor in that faith. Once more, Jesus in this story points out how much time it takes to help, and not just the single moment of helping, but this Samaritan's long-standing devotion to care for this man not just for the day and not just for the night, but for as long as it takes for this man to heal. I will at least be financially responsible. And in this wonderful, simple, grace-filled story, all of my reasons for not helping my neighbor have gone out the window. I can no longer say it is too complicated. I can no longer say these people aren't worth helping. I can no longer say they brought it on themselves or they were in the wrong place. I cannot say that I need to look out for my own people first. I cannot say that insurance should kick in at some point and I shouldn't be responsible for them. I can't say any of it. I can't say any of it. Because at every turn, Jesus 
in righteousness and in mercy, has said, you must help your neighbor. We're not used to Jesus giving us direct commands like this, are we? We're used to the Jesus that says there's grace for everybody and there's love for everybody and I know it's hard, so try again. And that is what Jesus is still saying. But in equal measure, Jesus is also saying you must help your neighbor. And there's not really an excuse that you can use in this big wide world where it's okay to stop doing this. It's okay to struggle doing this. It's okay to be confused as you're trying to do this. It's not okay to not do this. Whenever I approach my own life, in the midst of this text, I like to use the questions that come up in confirmation class and in vacation Bible school and in other places where I'm teaching children. And these questions are pretty simple. They'll read a text like this and they'll understand what this text means and then they'll look at me with a very knowing look. They'll look at their religious leader, their pastor, and say, why aren't we doing this? And so let's take that question and walk through a few different moments of where our neighbors might be hurting. Nearly 1 in 11 children are food insecure in our area. And by food insecure, I mean that they don't have the nutrition that it takes to lead a regular and active life. And so, when my confirmants learned about this, they looked at me and said, why aren't we helping? I said, well, we are. We do John's meals, and we do this, and we do that, and it's wonderful. And then they looked at me again, and they said, well, why are they in this place? And why are they in this situation? I said, well, it's really complicated, you know? Like, some people have made life choices, and they didn't quite work out. Some people are just kind of born into this situation. We're trying to help them move on. And the more I said the less I really believed my words and I realized that I had put the complexity of the situation in front of and between myself and the human being. Was I really like the Samaritan who gave two denarii and said, as long as this person is in need, I will continue giving? Or did I give my share to the red beans and rice and say, I'm sure it'll come out in the wash. Or let's take a topic that I am quite frankly, quite frankly sick of talking about, but let's take every detention center story that we've heard over the news the past few weeks. No matter what we think about foreign policy or immigration policy or anything else, can we really look at another human being and say, this is a good way of treating another person? To leave them for dead or for half dead? Do I really get to say that the laws of my country have prevented me from acting as a Christian or the rulers of my country are going to handle it and I'm just going to watch as a Christian? 
the Levite had a reason for passing on the side of the road. They weren't allowed to touch a dead body. The priest had a reason for passing on the other side of the road for the same reason. It's an unclean thing to do. They were right according to the law. They were right according to regulation. They were right according to custom and culture and everything else. But Jesus looks at laws and Jesus looks at customs and Jesus looks at cultures and says, I don't care about those things. I care about the person. Help the person. Who is loving the Lord their God with other heart and soul and strength and mind and their neighbor as their self? It's the one who helps the person. Let's look at the ones in our own lives that we know are struggling that we have known we're struggling for years now, I know you can think of somebody. And we just thought it looked a little too complicated to get involved. Now the complexities are real and we don't want our whole entire lives to be sucked in and dragged down by another person's misfortune or another person's struggle or another person's experience and at the same time, we are not permitted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to walk on the other side of the road, so where does that leave us? Where should we go? In the midst of thoughts like these, it took me a long time to figure out what the grace was in this text. To figure out where God was making things good and right and new. And then I realized that the grace of this text is for the one left half dead. The grace in this text is for the one that's bleeding on the side of the road. And that person really needs that grace, don't they? That person really needs a God who says you cannot pass them by, don't they? That person needs a whole community of faith that gets up every week, marches out of their congregation, and goes directly to the ones that they have seen on the side of the road time and time again and says collectively we're not going to give up and we're not going to stop doing this until the needs of you and every other person in this world are covered. And I will come back again and again and again to ensure it. I believe there's grace for you and I as well because I have a tendency to find Jesus in those places. I have a tendency to grow faith in those places. I have a tendency to see the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in those places. But first and foremost, I believe that God is here bringing grace and love to the ones who need it most. So why aren't we doing this? I think we are in part, and I think we struggle in part, but let this be a renewal, a revival. Let's try it with a greater fervor. And let's let our community, Lawrenceville and everywhere else around this world, know that on our watch, on our time, 
we're going to come back again and again to help and to serve and to give everything we have for the sake of our neighbor. This is hard, but this is good. God be with you as you struggle with this text. God be with you as mercy is given out to your neighbor. And God be with you time and time again. Amen.